0: Um, hi I'm Steph I'm really thrilled to be here and I have to remember to walk backwards a year. Um, thank you to to Aaron and Kelly for um, for bringing me here I'm just I'm super excited to be here um, so actually for the most of this talk I'm not going to be talking about user experience at all but instead focusing on a very specific area of storytelling um, the original title for this particular session was actually this um, I did this in France a little while ago, but I thought, you know, with memes going and updating, so this is a new version of this talk. (laughs) I wasn't sure how that was going to go down, but there you go. Um, So I'm going to cheat and tell you where the accent comes from, because otherwise you spend the next 25 minutes wondering where I come from, and I would rather that you listen to what I have to say, rather than my trying to figure out where I come from. So um, if you know where orangutans come from, Okay, not that I have a close relationship with orangutans in particular but we share the same island and there there was plenty enough room for all of us. Um, And so I was from the island of Borneo, from Malaysia and Borneo. I didn't live, oops, wrong way. I didn't live live there for very long. I spent my formative years in Australia down the bottom of the world. I got tired of staying at the bottom of the world and I moved just about as far as I could with the sanity of choosing six month long winters in Canada Um, and now I have perpetually grey weather in the UK and so much so that I forget to pack my sunglasses everywhere I go because I can't remember what it's like to have sun anymore. Um, So anyway, so my accent's gonna switch from whatever to whatever (laughs) in the next little while. And that's where it goes. Anyway, so, last spring I was in the south of France. Again, I forgot my sunglasses that time, but hey. Um, I was in Avignon, which is uh, an interesting town in its own right. Something like 1309 to 1377, this is the home to the popes, because there was some kind of uh, upheaval in European politics. In any case, I was there for a conference, and it was a front-end conference. And um, it was a city that still has its old walls. I like city with old walls. And I was really happy to find this place, which is an Airbnb place, very, very close to sort of the northern edge of the wall. Um, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. Now, the reason why I do Airbnb a lot is because I like kitchens. I like going to a random city, showing up at a random supermarket or a market because in Europe, most of, these, most of the time it's markets and sometimes they're like tiny little supermarkets um, and figuring out what the local people eat. I like cooking my own meals while I'm on the go. And so I was quite happy that there's this is nice modern kitchen um, that I get to use for a few days, which, you know, I'm not, I'm not sort of selling Airbnb as a service, but I really enjoy it. <clears throat> so anyhow, the owner wasn't there because he was down in Spain working and so his friend showed me around, let me in. I thought, great, now I've got a few days of this to myself. And so that night, I made myself a nice little dinner. I was washing up. And this was like, you know, when you sit in this thing and you wash up, you do this, right? And all of a sudden, my socks started getting wet. Now, if you haven't had the experience of your socks getting wet without expecting it, I highly recommend you trying it. Because it's one of those experiences you'll never forget. So what happened was my socks were getting wet and there was a puddle of water coming right down to the middle of the room. I was like, okay, this is not good. And so I um, saw so the sink was leaking somehow, but it didn't, wasn't obviously where. And under the this sink, this is what it looked like. Um, <laughs> some very creative plumbing. Um, so I couldn't figure it out, but there was a bucket. So you can see the, sort of the red rim thing underneath there. Um, so I pushed it a little bit and stop stopped the water from going on the floor. And I started finding, looking for every single towel in the kitchen so I could wipe it down, did all that, uh, was running out of paper towels at that point. So I called Jean, who is the guy who let me in, and I said, um, we've got a bit of a problem in the kitchen. Do you think you can come around and have a look at it? He goes, I can come on tomorrow, around lunchtime. I'm like, OK. I'm supposed to be at this conference, right? And thought, OK, um, all right then. So I unplugged the fridge because I kind of didn't want to die that night. Um, I stuck a little paper towels underneath that little gap because there was water underneath there, and you don't really want the floor to rot. I don't simply don't want to be responsible for someone else's rotting kitchen, basically. Anyhow, went to sleep. In the morning, I forgot that the sink was leaking. <laughs> I got my socks wet a second time. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I went to the conference, came back, I joined and everything. All that. So we looked at this, and so. I'm pointing this way because that's kind of too far for me to reach. Okay, So you've got the, the water coming down and it needs to fill up that pressure bit in the middle and it will just sort of flow down the drain on that side. But what you can't see from that photo is that there's actually a hole in the back. And obviously unless you know the piping system, you wouldn't know it. But Jean figured that out because um, he found a roll of tape that has fallen off and it was just sort of tape up at the back. Um, and that was the only thing that was stopping the thing from leaking up to this point. So we were trying, like, okay, now what do we do? So he goes, oh, um, you know, some roll of paper we could do in his... I, sorry, I can't do a French accent very well. Some roll of paper. No, that's German, sorry. Um, he, he, so he stuck it into... The, well, we were trying to figure out now whether we can get some roll of newspaper or something to stuff it. It will get wet, but it would sort of expand and fill a hole. And But we were in a French household. You get stuff like this. And uh, so that's how we fixed the sink. <laughs> So, I want you to stop for one second and look at yourself and think about what you've just heard for the last five minutes. I have all of your attention because every single one of you are looking at me except for one guy at the back. Um, Stories are immensely powerful. I taught you nothing. I taught you how to fix a sink in a French kitchen when the plumbing is creative. But what stories are, they are simulators. For the brain, flight simulators for the brain. And this is really one of my favorite quotes from Made to Stick. <clears throat> There's a reason why our brains are wired for story, stories. We're physiologically done that way. It's very, very close to two ways, two main ways that we learn. So we learn, well, we, we learn in creative ways, but sort of the cognitive psychology behind it, there are two main methods, whether it's procedural learning or declarative learning. So declarative learning is when you have facts that you have to memorize, not very exciting. Uh, Procedural is when you ride a bike. So, you know how we always say that you don't usually forget how to ride a bike. That's because it's something that's implicit in how we learn. And stories allow us to sort of simulate in our brain as we hear a story. So anyway, you've just learned how to fix a sink. (laughs) Um, So, I did a test at this conference. so I had friends who, you know, well, I, at this particular conference, to some people, I told them the story much like what I told you. With other folks, I said, oh, the air can be a problem I'm saying it's had a leak in the sink. And that's all I said. This is rather boring. It's a fact. And the, probably the result of that test was the next day, the people whom I told the stories to actually asked me how was my kitchen, because they remembered it, they lived through it with me, whereas the people whom I told the ang version have absolutely no recollection that I had a leaking sink at all and that I was sort of like going like, oh, crisis. Anyhow, but I wasn't always a good storyteller, and you can argue that I probably am not that good at it yet. I feel like I'm still learning. I had to learn it. There is, there is this kind of special thing we like to think that we can sort of nail stories down into a certain structure, and maybe there is, but there's a little bit more to the craft. Um, I want to share a... oops, don't play yet. I want to share this video with you. Have you seen this before? Ah, good. Excellent. Okay, let's see if this the tag gods are with us, and I've got my sound on. And let's play. Have we got audio?
1: Yeah, there's no reason why the simple shapes of story can't be fed into computers. They are beautiful shapes. This is the GI axis, good fortune, ill fortune. Sickness and poverty down here, wealth and and boisterous good health up there. Here's the very middle. Now this is the BE axis. B stands for beginning. (laughs) E stands for electricity. Now, this is an exercise in relativity, really, is the shape of the curves of what matters and not their origins. So we'll start a little above average, is why, why get a depressing person? We'll start <laughs> <coughs> the whole thing, we call this story man in hole, but it needn't be about a man, and it needn't be about somebody getting into a hole. Right, well, it's a good way to remember it. Somebody gets into trouble, gets out of it again. People love that story. They never get sick of it. All right, not copyrighted. Another story is also a beautiful curve and easily fed into a computer called Boy Gets Girl, but it didn't needn't be that. Just a way to remember it. Start on an average day, average person, not expecting anything to happen a day like any other. Find something wonderful, just loves it. Oh, God damn it. it back again. People like that. Now, these are beautiful curves and this gets a little complicated. Computers can now play chess so I don't know why they can't digest this very difficult curve I'm going to draw for you now. And it so happens that this is the most popular story in our civilization Western civilization as we love to hear this story every time it's retold somebody makes another million dollars you're welcome to do it now surprisingly enough I've said it's depressing you know people don't like stories below about below average days and people but we're gonna start way down here worse than that who is so low it's a little girl What's happened? Her mother has died, her father has remarried a vile-tempered ugly woman with, with two nasty daughters, big daughters. You've heard it. She... Anyway, there's a party at the palace that night, she can't go. She has to help everybody else get ready, she has to stay home. Now does she sink lower? No. She's a staunch little girl, and she has had the maximum whack from fate, which is the loss of her mother. She, she can't go any lower than that. Okay, so the fairy godmother comes. Gives her shoes, gives her stocking, gives her <laughs> mascara. <laughs> gives her a means of transportation. Goes to the party. Dances with the prince, has a swell time boring 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 now there's a slight inclination to that line as i've drawn it because it takes perhaps 20 seconds 30 seconds for a grandfather clock to strike 12. does she wind up at the same level of course not she will remember that dance for the rest of her life now she poops along on this level till the prince comes, to shoe fits. She achieves off-scale happiness.
0: Excellent video which I really I, I must have watched this at least a dozen times, probably like twenty because I keep showing people. And every time I show it, I watch it myself. There is another more familiar curve, which I think every one of us probably has seen its goal. Um, this is the 3X structure. Just for the purpose of this evening now, I probably I, had, I meant to say it in the beginning, but i didn 't and I forgot um, because we 're going to have a little practice afterwards of, of actual craft storytelling itself, so this is just to remind us what what it means act one setting it up, what is the context where is the place who 's the main protagonist, and what most importantly, what does he she it it maybe desire. Um, It was Kurt Vonnegut who said, you know, your character needs to want something, even if it's a glass of water. And it's just one of those things to keep in mind. The thing that I almost did tonight, and I was like, you know, trying to catch catch myself out whether... So this is a journalistic term where we say don't bury the lead, as in don't start with 300 pages before you actually reach the, the crux of the story. This is probably one of the most rookie mistakes that every story every storyteller has to learn to make and then learn to get over. So this is a good thing to keep in mind. By the way, this is uh, declarative learning right now, so it's fine that you don't remember any of this. (laughs) Um, Crisis and escalating tension is when things get worse. Now, what's really interesting about conflict and tension? For the longest time, I was thinking like, how do you write or how do you create something that has conflict and tension? Now, where does that come from? Um, It it took me a little while. It took me 400 pounds. um, to attend a class by this guy. Um, Hall is um, BAFTA, I don't know if you hear about BAFTA here, but it's, I guess, the equ- equivalent of the Golden Globes in the UK. And so he, he writes award-winning TV series and he's a crime fiction novelist. And he says, drama comes from human decision, which I thought was extremely interesting. So If you go back to remembering, we're setting up characters where we say, OK, he or she wants something. I want something. What's stopping me inside from getting to that something? What are outside forces stopping me from reaching my goal and what I want? And what if the next person comes along with his or her desire, which may or may not be compatible with mine and the outside circumstances and all that? So it can start get quite complicated. But the drama comes from what happens when your character in your story makes a decision and what the consequences are. So when you know that as a simple rule of thumb, it becomes quite clear how a story can progress. And I'm making it sound too easy. But, well, it is not too hard. It just comes with practice. And the third act, the finale, things get as bad as it can go. Um, But probably the most important thing about finishing a story is um, leaving everybody in a safe place. Now, it doesn't have to be a happy ending, I know classically we prefer happy endings, but a safe place. It's like a stopping point, like the end of a phrase. I'm going to give you one example of actual application of storytelling in design, um, just a really, really short idea of how this fits into something like user experience through storytelling. So um, two summers ago, I was at a hack day in Spain. Yes, we actually had a hack day in Spain, and we were working underground out of the sun for a whole eight hours. I don't know why we did it, but we did it. Um, so these, guys, so what, the way it was set up, it was for nonprofits, and it was for local nonprofits. So we had Médecins Sans Frontières, we had uh, Oxfam. And we had these guys who were local to Spain. They were a foundation for rehabilita- rehabilitating—sorry, I may not get this word right—primates, um, basically chimpanzees who have sort of been captured, trained for film and movies, which is very cruel to the animals because they don't socialize well with humans. They end up with really complex issues like that lead to self-mutilation and things like that. It's not really nice. And so anyway, this foundation came to us and said, we don't know what to do with the website, as you can see. Um, it has a long way to go. I don't know how well we can see that. But basically, okay, so we were 20 people, and there was a massive hack day team. It was like, okay, what do we do? Oh, well, let's do the sensible thing. Let's categorize all the content and figure out what's more imp- most important. Right? Um, there was so much information on this site that we end up using the floor. Um, And even then this was not the incomplete site. So you're supposed to have a solution by the end of the day because it was a competition. By midday, we had nothing. Only CDs on the floor, basically. And so there were two user experience folks on this team and there was me and another guy. It's like, no, we need to stop looking at this and just go for the bits that mean most important, most meaningful. Can we tell a story what we have? And so we basically decided to charge ahead and say, okay, what's the most important element in the, if we were to tell the story of this foundation? Not hard, it was the chimpanzees. And so these were our wireframes, these were stickies, and we started with the idea of a mobile-first um, content design, just like simply what would it look like and um, what would it look like when it expanded. Um, and so we had an art director on the team and he basically did that with 10 minutes work probably not the most pretty at this point in time, but the information was interesting. So the, instead of having all this mass information about the foundation, we had the chimp, we had where, well, where did he come from, so why was he here? So what it does is that that particular text highlights the situation, the environmental issue, and all the sort of um, political issue around chimps, not what, what happens to them, and therefore explaining why the foundation needs to exist. And the next part down the bottom says, where is he now? It actually talks about the foundation and the work. So everything, every bit of information around the foundation is now told through a story of the individual chimpanzees. And you can see that the clarity that you can get the moment you do this kind of approach. And so this is like a mobile version that we did, which is really simple. This site is still in progress. The guys loved the concept so much that they still worked on it in their own free time. So it's not completed yet. In any case, this is just one example where a storytelling element can come to play and help you bring clarity in your design, in designing information. <clears throat> Another brief, really, really brief part about user experience. Most of the user experience tasks that we do fall into two categories. It's usually either research or design. I may be oversimplifying it a little bit. But if you look at the activities that we do, um, every single bit of this component can benefit from... So storytelling perspective and storytelling um, themes. So in research, we listen to customers. So we have varying tools. Maybe it's interviews, maybe it's ethnography, maybe it's through data, through analytics. But there are certain tools which in particular, and especially that are getting recognition, like well, well, customer stories, obviously you can get them from interviews and ethnography. But job stories are a particular type of story. And what happens is that you have an interview with a customer and you figure out their perspective by doing sort of a detective um, method, so reverse engineering their logic up to the point where they make a decision. Um, <clears throat> so that that is job stories in particular, particularly interesting. These in this particular area between research and design is where we have most the tools that we're most familiar with: personas, user journeys, scenarios. They're really familiar names to those of us who are working user experience. And this is because they exist as models. So basically what happens in user experience is you are retelling the story from the customer perspective um, and no, so retelling from the research into design so that you can do a retell of the story from inside, for where you want to be from as a source of the design. And through here is where it gets supremely complicated. You can use storytelling in content. You can use it through the visual side. You can use it through just a voice and tone. Or even thematic material, so there are plenty of spaces in sort of a whole user experience, so a whole spectrum user experience process where storytelling fits. Um, this is where my little tiny little book will be focusing on. Is practically going through this entire cycle. In any case, this evening so far, we've had three working examples. I gave you an example in UX design, a practical method of how to fix a sink in France and the fact that I was able to tell you two stories in a presentation, I'm not sure if you, if you clocked that. The possibilities are infinite. Um, and so here, I'm only you know, going blah, blah, blah about one particular aspect of storytelling. But it's up to you where you think it can fit in the work that you do. Are you an educator? Do you need to communicate messages to your colleagues? How are you going to do it? Some stories are a good way, and it's a matter of figuring out how it fits. So... The rest of this evening, we're going to try. The way this is going to work, there's a reason why the tables are arranged this way. Hey, we're designers, we think about these things. Um, So, what I would love to do is, for you to pair up with one person, it can be a person you already know, it doesn't really matter. What's what's going to happen is, we're going to have a little series of exercise. I'll give you a minute of thinking time. Actually, let me just skip to a slide so you see, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to skip this. I'll come back to it. This is bad planning on my part. Whoops. So you're going to tell a story. In the first instance, let's make it a fairy tale. It should be really easy. You can retell Cinderella if you like. Um, and so partner up with someone next to you. I'll give you one minute thinking time so that you can reflect on how you want to tell the story. And then the first person, so p- decide who's the first person to tell the story. Storyteller A tells the story for three minutes. Time's up. I'll tell you you switch second person tell story to person, To first person does that make sense yes yeah. up to you up to you if you want to tell the same story because you're convinced that you can tell it better by all means um, and then we have one minute of sort of review time thinking time and then we go on to the next thing is that clear so can we make sure that you have friends <laughs> can you find a friend <laughs> So, oh! <laughs> All right. Wait, 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 don't start yet. Woo! I heard stories starting. Wait, wait, wait. We're going to do it together. One second. I just, you know, I just really want to know whether I can get a hundred people to tell stories together. So this is kind of an experiment in itself. I'm going to have my timer ready. Okay. You alright? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. In case I'm breaking some rules or something. Um, okay. Remember, beginning, middle, end. Setting it up, the obstacles, the finale. Keep the structure in mind. A story, even in three minutes, needs to have these elements. Um, okay, another thing what's driving your story? Is it a plot, the character, or a question? So, well, question probably won't apply to, tonight, but if you're doing something like a, a, a factual site, questions to, so, to apply, ask me later. Um, so, plot, the circumstance, person, if it's character driven, and issue driven, if it's a question. So, this may apply later, we'll see. Okay, so. Your favorite fairy tale or fable? One minute thinking time. Silence, please. I'm going to time it, and I will tell you when thinking time is up. Time's up. OK, so you've decided who's going to tell a story first in the, your team, team of two. All right. OK, ready. So. Three minutes to tell your fairy tale or fable. Time starts now. Time's up. Stop. Ah. Okay, how'd you go? So. All right, let's do the switch. Person p- person's person B tells person A. Sorry. For whatever reason I have an Irish accent right now. Um okay, so ready? 3 minutes. Try and make your characters real. Go. Time's up. All right. Yoo-hoo. Okay. Who told a natural story? Who told a natural story? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, I don't know, like a, as in you didn't just have a conversation. <laughs> Excellent, thank you. Thank you for trying. So, as I went around, someone was telling to me, oh, you should have told us this earlier. Or, or someone else was saying, oh, I have no idea which one I, I should, ta- uh, which one should tell. The problem with practicing the craft of storytelling is today, what we're trying to do is create a safe space for you to test with somebody. Just the one person next to you, you might see them again, because Chattanooga, but um, I'm sorry that I didn't mean it in a bad way. It's nice, <laughs> but <laughs> it's great that you can have a place where you can recognize people by their first names. It's excellent. I can't do that where I live, you know. So, um, but here, here it is where you're saying this is a safe space. Try it. Don't be scared because if you are scared, there will be lesser opportunities unless you make them yourself and it doesn't matter there's no right or wrong there's, you can only get better the more you practice so this one is probably easier or harder uh, tell your favorite joke <clears throat> okay oh yeah um so we're gonna have two minutes thinking time or maybe less depending on how i see people are going because sometimes it's hard to decide which joke you want to tell um, but the story time is short two minutes each and then we're gonna have a little review time. And um, with jokes in particular, rhythm and pace. It's the same with every story, but with jokes in particular, rhythm and pace. So every sentence, more or less, try to move the story forward, or try to show more of the character. All right, I'm gonna back. go back here. Are you ready? Okay, just let, have a little bit of think, thinking time. Quiet thinking time. Oh, you're laughing, that's good. worked out how to use this timer. Okay, so person A, first person wherever you are, uh, your joke starts now. Two minutes, go. All right, time's up. Stop. Okay, switch. Ready? Two minutes for person, person two. Person number two, start now. Time's up. How'd you like that? Was it fun? I don't know if you are having fun. Um, It's funny because I think the first round of jokes was funnier because more people were laughing. I don't know what happened there. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, So maybe just one last thing, because it's nice to finish well. Jokes are fun, but I think to tell a real story, much like what I was trying to do early on in the beginning of this talk. I'm sorry, I I, I realize that I'm talking really fast, and I'm very jet-lagged, so every other sentence may not make sense, but I think you're getting the gist. So, um, telling a story about what happens to you. Now, this is interesting, a little harder, so like difficult, scale of difficulty. In this particular one, pay attention to describing Feelings and reactions whether it's yours or the person involved in the story, okay? So this may take a bit of thinking time Free reign like do whatever you want (laughs) make it up if you want Um, Okay, so let's just have one minute of thinking time so you can decide both of you decide what you want to say Okay, so First person telling the story, you have five minutes. Go. How did you like that? Was it easier than you thought it was? (laughs) It got easier. It got easier? That's my point. If there's one thing you can take away from tonight, Not about plugging things in sinks and stuff and wet socks and all that. Um, It gets easier with practice, and that is all there is to it, to storytelling. And thank you very much for participating tonight. More beer? No. There are many, many shapes of stories. So like the art So, depending on who you ask, there are either three types of stories or 53. So um, really, it's very culture-centric. It's very industry-centric. And so the one reason why I decided not to go there is because it's just a huge hole and you could end up with 153 different types of stories. And then it becomes one of those things that you stop wanting to learn because it's too complicated. Um, I mean, there is no accident that we have oral histories before we had written histories. And so telling stories is naturally human. Listening to stories is also naturally human. It's just that I think sometimes we don't really get the time to practice like we do. So I hope that, if anything, you get find more time to tell stories to other people because all of you are unique and all of you have stories to tell. All right? thank you.